This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 31st, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. What would a credible monetary rule look like if designed by Congress or by the Federal Reserve itself? Can the generalists in Congress really provide credible oversight to the specialists at the Fed? Alex Salter is co-author of Money and the Rule of Law, Generality and Predictability in Monetary Institutions, available now. The last 12 years or so of Fed policy have been pretty remarkable. And I don't know if you'd you'd call it unprecedented or not, but certainly the Fed balance sheets exploded in 2008, 2009, and not really back to where we were before. And with with a global pandemic now, it's very difficult to foresee a lot of things that we might have been able to foresee. But uh, with respect to how the Fed has responded to this pandemic and how they respond to other crises, what ought to govern? That's the question of the day. I think that we need to look at strict monetary rules. I think the Fed has been trust has shown that it cannot actually be trusted with last resort lending. I'll give you an example just from the most recent COVID crisis. The Fed does have statutory authority to make direct loans to financial institutions, provided that it's doing so to maintain the integrity of the financial system. The Federal Reserve went above and beyond that by any reasonable measure in the COVID crisis and started making direct loans to large corporations that were not in the financial sector, Coca-Cola, Berkshire Hathaway. And they came up with a really tortured argument about how this was consistent with their Section 13.3 authority under the Federal Reserve Act. And I think that this vindicates a lot of the old school monetarist arguments that we really don't need a last resort lender. Ordinary monetary policy can do the trick and we can't trust the Fed with being a last resort lender, because it's always going to interpret its mandate far too expansively. So if we can't trust the relatively unaccountable, admittedly very smart people who run the Federal Reserve to do it, that would leave Congress uh, next in line to make these kinds of determinations. And boy, I got to tell you, that is not a very appetizing prospect to me. Congress is the only game in town. I understand the fears of this. I 110% agree that we do not want Congress involved with the day-to-day operations of monetary policy. And I don't think that that's the avenue that we have to pursue. I think it is feasible for the Congress to hand the Federal Reserve a much tighter mandate to narrow the dual mandate into something solely focused on short-run economic stability And that way we can simultaneously avoid avoid the Fed being a law unto itself with pretty much minimal accountability. And on the other hand, politicians on two to six year election cycles looking at the Federal Reserve's balance sheet and thinking, maybe I could make use of this in terms of reelection. Yeah, no, that's absolutely not an appetizing prospect. So if Congress were to design a rule for the Federal Reserve to follow, Uh, what might it look like? There's obviously a wide range of options there. Of course, we need a rule to be general, which means that it works for citizens qua citizens, and it doesn't actually benefit any special interest groups at the expense of others. We need the rule to be predictable. It should actually help the market form adequate expectations about long-term contracting, so there's no big swings in uh, variables that matter in terms of the allocation of capital. The rule should be non-discriminatory. It needs to work for the public interest. And again, we want that rule to be robust, meaning we want to make sure the rule works well, even when people confront less than ideal incentives and if they have less than perfectly correct information. 
So this gets into some arguments that we call robust political economy in the book. And there are a number of options that we could pursue for the actual content of the rule. You could pick a price level target, basically stabilize the purchasing power of money. You could pick an inflation target, which is sort of like what the Fed has now. The only difference is if they miss it, there's no penalty for missing it. It's a self-adopted rule. And so we call that a pseudo rule in the book. My personal preference would be for an NGDP target, which basically means stabilizing aggregate demand, offsetting changes in the demand to hold money with changes in the money supply. And people would see, given the movements of business cycles, when the Fed was would be likely to pull back or expand? I think that that would be likely. It really depends on what rule you have. Uh, the big problem with an actual price level on target, uh, or even it's a dynamic form, an inflation target, is that if the Fed is targeting the purchasing power of money, either its level or its growth rate, if there are economic destabilizations coming from the supply side of the economy, like an oil price shock or something like that, uh, unfortunately, the Fed has to compound those by hitting on the brakes even more after a negative supply shock or pumping the brakes even more after a positive supply shock. And so that would bring the inflation target back on track, but it would have really unfortunate uh, consequences for final goods and services markets. And it would, in fact, would be an agent of instability rather than stability. So we're not saying the rule doesn't matter. We can debate the merits of various rules, but what's important, what really matters most of all is that there is a rule that it binds, that the Fed cannot selectively choose when to ignore it, and the Fed does not itself choose the rule because if any of those conditions are violated, the Fed becomes a law unto itself. Congress, in terms of enforcement, whatever that might look like, uh, would establish a rule and then hand it to the Fed and then look at monetary aggregates, look at inflation, look at other indicators to say whether or not they've kept that rule or what. I mean, does this demand a level of transparency at the Fed that we uh, don't have right now? I don't think it demands any more transparency than we have right now. We already have members of the Board of Governors, especially the Fed chair, give regular testimony before Congress. Their minutes are made public not that long after their deliberative meeting. So I don't think that we have a transparency issue. If there is an issue, I think that we might have the problem of generalists trying to govern specialists, right? Monetary policymakers are specialists. They really know their own discipline. Members of Congress are generalists. They might lack the particular expertise to monitor and uh, make sure that these specialists are staying on the straight and narrow. So that is a problem, but I think that we can get around it by picking a general enough rule that the public understands, and just clearly looking at the monetary aggregates and broader nominal variables, the price level, nominal gross domestic product. And that should really tell the story. I think that that's going to be enough to overcome that problem. It's not perfect. No system is. But what we've got right now where the Fed can do whatever it wants and justify it by saying, oh, this is part of our full employment mandate. No, it's not. You're just doing what you want to do because you're a technocrat and you like to tinker. So what if, if the rule is hard and fast, what prevents us from just adopting some sort of shell script for the creation and dissolution of money? That is a tough question. I think that with sufficient public oversight, 
especially the people's representatives in Congress assembled, because there are some people in Congress that have an interest in trying to rein in the Fed a little bit. You have Senator Toomey, for example, although he's not running for re-election. You do have something of a constituency for responsible monetary policy. So it's not like this is beyond the pale. The real trick is actually going to be to get Congress involved enough to pick a general rule without getting it so involved that it starts being really interested in the Fed's balance sheet in terms of financing their pet political project. And this is something that arguably has already been done after the COVID crisis. So you have to ask yourself, if they're already doing that, what's the marginal risk of going in for the rule of law and having Congress exercise its constitutional authority to provide a little more governance oversight of what's going on here? Alexander William Salter is co-author of Money and the Rule of Law, Generality and Predictability in Monetary Institutions. May 2021 marks the 15th anniversary of the Cato Daily Podcast. In appreciation to our listeners, we have a small gift for you. Visit cato.org slash cdp15 to learn more.